Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, Christ United. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning, sharing in a very different way than I'm normally sharing. Like Ms. Jones said, if you do not know who I am, my name is Michelle, and I'm the contemporary worship leader, so typically I am um, in the other space, so you guys don't get to see me a whole lot, but I'm super excited to be here this morning. We are in week number two of our identity series, and Pastor Jeff did an awesome job um, introducing this identity series um, in the book of Ephesians. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to open up to the Word. We're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Before we read the Word, I'm going to pray and open us up. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that your Word is so powerful, God. So as we press in this morning, God, be with us. And allow us to hear and see what you need us to know this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Speak to us, Father. Well, this morning I have a story for you. 30 years ago, there was a young woman. She was 23 years old. And she lived in a little town called Mamou, Louisiana. Not many people heard about Mamou, Louisiana, heard of. Um, And she was 23 years old. That's pretty young age. In a very important part of her life, she found herself pregnant. 23 years old is very young to become a mom when you're not really ready to be a parent yet. And so she went back and forth with the decision of, do I keep this baby and try and take care of it and give it the best life I possibly can, or do I give it up for adoption? And going back and forth with that decision, as hard as it was, she made a plan, and that plan was to give the baby up for adoption. And that baby was me. I was adopted I was adopted just weeks later after I was born by a family from New York, sweet family, had a great childhood. I grew up in New York with a brother who was also adopted. We had great parents. Um, We did a lot of different things, very awesome, awesome childhood. Um, But I struggled a lot. I struggled with feeling wanted and not loved. Um, I struggled with feeling abandoned just because of 
my story of being given up or abandoned by my birth mom, not really knowing the story. And so when I was little, I would try to find my purpose, my identity, and the things I did. I played softball my whole entire life, and so I tried to find my identity in what I did on the team. Um, I know this is really hard to believe, but I've been musical my whole life. And so I tried to find my identity in all the, all the instruments I played or the music I made wasn't intended to rhyme. Um, but my identity was coming from the roles I played or the positions I played. Um, and so I found myself in an identity crisis, as we call it. Um, I just was struggling through who I was and whose I was, even though I had an adopted family who loved me and who cared for me and who wanted me, who chose me. Um, It just wasn't enough. It wasn't filling me up. It wasn't satisfying my need to be wanted, to be loved. Um, And that sliver lie of abandonment still was so profound in my heart because I was given up by my birth family. And so the things I would struggle with as a kid would be being around families, um, just with the question of why I was given up for mine. Um, wondering if I looked like my mom or my dad, wondering if I had siblings that knew about me or maybe not. Why was I given up? Why? There was just this big question of why. And so I just really struggled with my purpose, my identity, who I was. Identity is a really big deal in every single one of our lives. We have a lot of different things that we identify as ours, and those things are identified by our name or picture. Right? We have IDs that identify us. We have um, South Carolina driver's license or the state where you're from. We have driver's license. We have passport, social security cards that are all identified by what? Our name. We have materialistic things with our name on them. Everything is identified by our name. So our name is a really big deal. It's pretty important. Those of us who, who get adopted, it's a life-changing thing. We go from being a kid that doesn't have a family to a kid that now is brought in to a family, that belongs in a family. It changes everything. It changes our whole identity. The first thing that changes is what? Our name. We go from this is not our name to this is now our name. Our identity literally changes. So adoption is more than just a legal transaction. It's a relationship of promise. And that's the same in the reality of being adopted as a kid and in the reality of being adopted by our Heavenly Father. When we come into a relationship with our Father in Heaven, we become adopted. We, we are adopted into the family of God, by God the Father, and our name changes. We become identified as a child of the living God, a son or daughter of the Most High. What a title. So continuing in my life, I still found myself struggling with who I was, what I was becoming, really in that identity crisis and never got filled and never, um, never changed. I was still struggling with those same things. I was becoming an adult now, I was trying to figure out my identity, and that's pretty stressful, especially for a high school student that's about to go to college. Um, And a kid that age, you're trying to figure out what college to attend, what major you're going to do, what career is going to look like. That's where I was. In 2006, I made the decision to attend Coastal Carolina University. Go Shants. 
I was a double music major, and I, was, I just had this dream of being a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to teach kids what I had a passion for. I wanted to teach kids about music and how to create music and, and what that meant in my life. And so um, that was my dream. So throughout my undergrad years, I, just, I was striving to be the best I possibly could. I was trying to find my identity and my successes. I was first chair musician in a lot of different ensembles. I was taking on so many different classes and so many different musical ensembles that at concerts at Coastal, when we had um, something called a Spectrum concert, which is um, it's ensembles continually playing back and forth, and so I'd be running across the stage from one ensemble to the other ensemble, back to the other one, and it was very comical for a lot of people to watch, but it was my way of trying to fit in, to try and belong I was so much trying to find my identity in the successes of college. So I graduated Coastal Carolina University with my undergrad. So I have a Bachelor of Arts in music with a double emphasis. So I was doing double the work everybody else was doing. And I started the MAT program. The MAT program at Coastal is the Masters of Arts in Teaching. So I started those classes, and I realized that's not what God was calling me to do. God was calling me to worship. So again, I was trying to find my identity in the roles that God was calling me to. So I quit the MAT program, believe it or not, and I pursued worship. I thought I had everything figured out. So I went from thinking I was going to be a teacher and I'm going to teach these kids to be passionate about music, and then God put the brakes on that and said, no, I'm calling you to worship. So I thought I had it all figured out, all of it figured out. Then December 15th, 2012, I was in a car accident that almost took my life. I was in a car accident on Carolina Forest Boulevard, sandwiched between two cars. I was hit from behind. And what I didn't know for a few months was that until we did all the testing and the MRIs and all these crazy things the doctor said, I had two discs that were completely blown out of my spine. One of them was so severely blown out that it actually cut off my nerve canal down my left arm, and I was paralyzed in my neck and my arm. I actually had MRIs done, and there was a misreading, but they thought I had something called C-Rinx, which is a fluid-filled pocket at the base of your skull, and it paralyzes you from the neck down. So there I was, thinking I had everything figured out, asking God, why again? Why is this happening now? So I had all these doctor's appointments and just crazy test results, and it came down to the only thing they could do for me is do spinal fusion. So those of you who do not know what spinal fusion is, what they do is they go in and they take out the damaged discs in your spine, they replace them with cadaver bones, and then they fuse it with a metal plate and screws. So I thought, okay, if this is the option, I'm going to have to go with it or I'm going to be paralyzed for the rest of my life. I was okay with it until the surgeon said, we have to go in through the front of your neck. We have to go in through the front of your neck and we have to move your vocal cords and there's a really good chance you might not sing again because of the trauma that happens when we do that. That was one of the scariest moments in my life and a big trust test from God with me? Am I going to trust him in the ways that he has called me 
to what he has called me, or am I going to start freaking out and just run from it? I remember the day before the surgery, standing in the mirror, looking at my neck, thinking, God, if this is what's happening, you know, I just got to trust you because I don't know what else to do. I thought I was being called to worship, and then here I am, them telling me that I might not sing again. I might not have a voice anymore because they have to go in and do all this. So in that recovery road, I had six months to recover. It was a really long recovery. It was rough. I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't do a whole lot of physical activity. I couldn't sing. I couldn't play music. And so I had a lot of time to just be, to just be with God and to just pray through it and trust him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything, works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You see, his purpose in our lives is always greater, far greater than we could even ask or imagine for ourselves. And so this plan that God had for my life that I was questioning him on had far greater significance than I was, than I was even thinking it was. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works for Christ Jesus. And so everything started to click in that season of my life. With the adoption, with all the struggles, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. See, God's heart is a father's heart. God's heart is an adoptive heart. Who makes the decision when we get adopted, when I get adopted? Who made the decision? The parents do. I can't just go to the courthouse and ask for paperwork and fill it out and say, I'm adopted. It doesn't work that way. Adoption is at the parents' discretion. The parents decide who they will adopt, when they will adopt. It's out of their initiative. See, God's a father who adopts his kids. He's picked you and me to be his sons and his daughters. And so when we ask God into our heart, we bear the family name. Our name changes. We now receive all the inheritance, rights of the Father, and that includes the totality of the kingdom. See, this side of heaven, we can have abundant life. God calls us to have abundant life. We take on that name when our name changes. We take on that identity of being his. What does that mean right now? It means we have access to absolutely everything the Father has access to because we are his in his family, and so we get to share the family fortune. How incredible is that? See, as children in God's family, we're given the riches of his grace. We're given kindness. We're given patience and glory and wisdom if we ask and power and mercy. We also inherit eternal life. And God puts his spirit inside of us as a guarantee for all that's to come. We have a heavenly father who wanted children so badly that he reached into the dust of the earth and created his first son. We have a father who looks at us and beams with pride. We have a father who never misses a second of our lives, not one. The millions and millions and millions of people in the world, and he knows how many hairs on your head that you have. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows every piece of who you are. Your eternal inheritance is priceless. It's pure, permanent, 
and protected, and nobody can take that from you. It can't be destroyed by war or poor economy or disaster. The inheritance of the magnificent kingdom is priceless. God's affection is always set before you, before me. God can't love you any more than he does in this very moment. He won't love you any less either. And once he has signed the adoption papers, sealing you with the Holy Spirit, he will never leave or forsake you. He will never disown you. You're his child forever. Your dad loves you. Your dad loves you a lot. And it changes our identity, right? It's so important for us to understand not only what we are created for, it's more important to know who we are created for. And so in my identity struggle, I was so focused on what God was calling me for, what God was calling me into, that I just didn't even grasp who I was created for. I was missing the boat. And so many people, so many of us, choose to settle for what we are created for, that we never even get to experience who we are created for. And we're missing out. Because he doesn't have to choose us, but he does choose us. He chooses every single day. I'm chosen, you're chosen. He chooses us for himself. And so if we believe everything that God says about himself, shouldn't we believe everything who he says about us? Shouldn't we believe all these things that he says about us? He says, you, we are wonderfully made, that he knit us together in our mother's womb. Before we were born, we were set apart already. He's made us uniquely. We are beautiful. We are loved. We are not less than. We are not our mistakes. We're not our past. We're not our failures. We're not our shortcomings. We're not our insecurities. All these things that we struggle with. See, you're the only you out there. You're the only you that there will ever be, and that makes you one of a kind. It makes you special. It makes you significant. It makes you his creation. And that's where your identity comes from. You're worth it. You're incomparably made. You understand that? Incomparably made. You're uniquely loved, unconditionally, and powerfully purposed. The purpose that God has for your life is so much more than you even think this morning. You're not defined by the opinions of others or by your circumstances. You're not defined by your successes or your failures. The houses you own, the cars you drive, the materialistic things that we have. We're defined by him. We're defined by God and God alone. And he identifies us as his children, sons and daughters of the Most High. So for so long, I believed those sliver lies that the enemy was trying to place in my heart and it put me in that identity crisis of not being enough, not feeling enough, or not feeling wanted or needed or loved, feeling abandoned. Those are all sliver lies from the enemy. And so some of you this morning might be believing those same things, that you're not enough, or you're not wanted, or you're not loved. But that's not the truth. The truth is you have to realize that he loves you more right now in this moment. He created you for bigger things. You just have to come home to him. Identity is everything. Understanding who you are and who he is, that will make a monumental change in your life. It made a monumental change in my life because now I understand 
who I'm created for and not just what I'm created for. And God can use that. God can use me as a vessel because I'm created for him and not for all of these worldly things. What we believe may matter, but what matters far more is what he believes about you and what he believes about me. And so that's the truth I just want you to receive this morning. You're known, you've always been known. God says you are mine, you matter to him, and you always will, always. See, we are his, we're adopted by the king of kings, we're adopted by the Lord of lords. I want you to understand that God wants you to know how much pride he has for you, how much love he has for you. He loved you before you even knew what love was. Before you even knew what love was. He loves you so much, loves me so much, that he gave his one and only son for us, for you and for me. That's incredible. My adoption story hasn't always been an easy one. It hasn't, it's been a difficult road. There's some great moments, there's some really hard moments, but what I can tell you this morning is that my greater adoption story is beautiful and it's powerful. And your greater adoption story is beautiful and it is powerful and powerfully purposed. But what would my life look like if God hadn't adopted me? What would your life look like? So I had a choice in life. I had a choice of, am I going to believe these sliver lies, these worldly labels, or am I, gonna, am I going to stand firm in the faith knowing, knowing, not just believing who God said I am, who God says I am, because I am a daughter of the Most High. We are his children. So let me remind you of what God says about you and me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal set apart. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, becoming part of the family, until the redemption of those who were God's possession, to the praise of his glory. See, the adoption papers have already been drawn up for you and for me. He knew we needed to be adopted. When I was adopted by my adopted family, they knew I needed to be adopted. I necessarily didn't know I needed to be adopted. You might not know you need to be adopted, but God does. I'm here to tell you this morning that you were chosen and you are wanted, you're needed, and you matter. You just have to take the initiative to receive it and know it this morning. He's handing the adoption papers to you. You have to take them back or receive it, stamp it, and believe it. So some of you this morning, it might be 
a story like the prodigal son, you coming home. Sometimes we think because of the choices we make or, or the struggles or the trials that we walk through that God can't love us, that we're not chosen anymore or we're not needed or loved. But the, the truth of the matter is he's standing there waiting for you to come home. He's standing there waiting with his arms open, waiting like he was for the prodigal son to come home. He's standing there with the robe. He's standing there with the rings and the fattened calf. He wants you to come home. So the truth this morning about your identity, the truth is, is that we are created for his greater purpose, not for all the roles we play, not for our careers or um, all the things we try to, to fill to become our identity. But the truth is, we're his, we're his children. You and I, we're sons and daughters of the Most High. That's where our purpose comes from. That's where identity comes from. So receive that encouragement this morning. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.